uh, you notice it's getting crowded down here, uh, and it's crowded with all good people, including Rob Osler, who was uh, going to read from his book Cirque du Slay, which I believe is the uh, book two of the Hated and Friends mystery series, which will be coming out in early May. Am I correct? That's right. Off to the circus. <laughs> yes. So I'll be reading from chapter one, uh, Then Came the Fire. And since it's chapter one, I'll just start at the beginning. Great. Looking forward to this. A single spotlight flashed on, revealing a woman in white tux and pink top hat standing in the center of the ring. With the fading of the symbols crashed, she asked for a volunteer from the audience. I glanced around the massive tense interior to see who would be brave enough to join Mysterium's famed magician, Kennedy Osaka, on stage. The next instant, I was blinded by light. Despite us sitting in the rafters in the last row, a spotlight, as if magnetically drawn to big personalities, managed to find my best friend's raised hand. Wonderful, the magician announced, lifting a tapered white sleeve toward Hollister. Please come down, madam, and join me in Mysterium's ring. Like a kid rushing downstairs on Christmas morning, Hollister nearly tripped as she raced down the aisle while an assistant wheeled a large cabinet onto the otherwise empty stage. After a bit of repartee and fanfare, Hollister was ushered into the cabinet, her mohawk brushing against its ceiling. With a grand flourish, the magician slid the door shut. Intensive music throbbed as she spun the large box around in a circle. The rotation completed, she paused dramatically before throwing open the door. Oohs and ahs from the three hundred people in attendance filled the tent. Hollister had vanished. I knew it was a trick, but still it freaked me out. Another volunteer was recruited to the stage to examine the cabinet inside and out. Seemingly satisfied there was no Serena Williams-sized woman hiding inside, he hurried back to his front row seat to the audience's applause. The magician closed the door again and wheeled the box in another 360. The music crescendoed. Tiny blonde hairs on the back of my neck and arms shivered in anticipation. I leaned forward in my seat. Kennedy Osaka dramatically paused again. I swallowed hard. The entire tent went silent. She flung open the door. The audience's collective held breath gave way to an eruption of applause and cheers of delight. My bestie had suddenly reappeared, now wearing an outfit identical to the magician's. Never mind that on Hollister, the white spandex made her resemble one of those inflatable snowmen people set in their front yards at the holidays. Hoot, hoot, I howled. Not only was the trick next level abracadabbering, but I had never, ever seen Hollister wearing anything other than black. She was escorted backstage and within minutes hustled back to our seats in her own clothes. The quick change and steep ascent had her breathing hard. That was a blast, Hayden, she said. I can't believe you didn't go for it. Then again, I suppose you volunteering was long odds, huh? Yes, somewhere between you and Heels and me anywhere near basketball. After a brief musical interlude to settle the crowd, the ring mistress, a tall, slender woman in a sultry black gown, introduced the next act. Against the low rumble of a timpani, she touted the group's acrobatic awards collected from competitions around the globe, each accolade heightening the anticipation for the spectacle to come. Again, the lights dimmed. To a chaotic sweep of spotlights across the stage, she announced, And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Mysterium's Tent of Splendors, from Romania, and celebrated the world over, Adrenaline. According to the program notes, an Estonian rock band, appropriately named Estonia, replaced the orchestra on the raised stage. They served up a screeching metal riff as the four members of Adrenaline entered the stage from the four different entrances used by the audience. The guys cartwheeled down the aisles, performed handstands on the arms of chairs, and somersaulted into the ring. 
wearing the costumes I had seen in the program, studded black harnesses, and essentially tight black boxer briefs. They took turns performing increasingly complex twisting flips as they raced across the stage. Next came a routine with chairs, which culminated in one guy doing a handstand on a wooden chair held by another who stood on another guy's shoulders who perched on the shoulders of the fourth guy. Then came the fire. Five flaming hoops descended from the catwalk high in the tent's pitch and hovered above the stage at heights of about three to six feet. One by one, each guy sprinted across the stage, jumping feet first or leaping head-on or flipping in a tight spinning ball through each hoop. Up in the ante, one horizontal hoop was positioned about 20 feet from a trampoline. The guys took turns bouncing to unnerving heights and through the ring of fire as they performed complicated aerial stunts. It was like watching Olympic platform diving, just live and upside down and with fire instead of water. The mini-show concluded with adrenaline receiving a standing ovation. The evening then entered its final phase, a cake and champagne reception with an opportunity for us VIP guests to have pictures taken with cast members. Hollister and I had only scored tickets thanks to a friend of a friend, despite qualifying only as P's in that acronym. For its sold-out month-long run, Mysterium had set up its extravagant tent just south of Seattle's downtown. The mashup of cabaret, magic, and aerial arts, with a Michelin dinner thrown in, had been, the ta had been taking America by storm. Hollister gave me a shove. Those adrenaline boys are here for a whole month. Go get a picture with them. While you're at it, get a phone number. I replied with a groan. Hollister knew I would never do any such thing. Hanging around her, I'd lost some of my natural shyness, but never would I match her boldness. More comfortable watching from the sidelines, I occasionally gave in and followed her, feet dragging and cursing under my breath onto the field. And yet I'd be lying if I didn't admit that Hollister's friendship hadn't been good for me. Because of her, I'd at least partially broken out of my shell and discovered courage I didn't know I had. But there were limits, and one was hitting on a Romanian Adonis in short shorts. Excellent, Rob. Very visual, very descriptive. I could see what you were writing. I greatly appreciate it as a reader listener. I'm sure that was important to you as you were writing it, especially when I think about you going to your second book in the series. How was it going, writing it from the first book and going to the second book? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, at least for me, well, it's only the first time I've done it. So I, I think it's going to be the most challenging from the first to the second um, because you have to, you know, tell enough of the story, kind of recap enough of the, the story of the first book to give readers grounding in who the characters are and at the same time acknowledging that a lot of people, or at least hopefully a lot of people, read book one and you don't want to bore them with, you know, kind of rehashing a story that they, you know, that they've already read. So I think that's the trickiest thing is moving from one to two is, is making two fresh in its own work at the same time, you know, putting in enough enough reminders of, of story one where where people who start at book two, you know, it still works as a standalone. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. I think you, uh, the way you wrote the, this first chapter of me listening to it, I want to say, I need to go get the first book. I'm not going to start on book two. So I'm sure other people will coming out March 5th, I believe. That's right. 